we're going to be working through Romans for pretty much most of this year. Um, we'll see how the pace goes, but uh, we're going to look at the first seven verses of chapter one. Um, it's printed in your order of worship, so if you don't have a Bible, you can follow there. But uh, the book of Romans is a letter, and it is a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. It was written in the mid-50s AD, and uh, it's different from the other letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote in the sense that pretty much all the other letters, most of all the other letters, um, Paul had been to the place that he was writing to. He knew the people he was writing to. He was probably responsible for those churches growing up, and then he would write letters to them. Um, the book of Romans is different because he's never, he's never been to Rome at this point. And so there's a church in Rome that has grown up and taken shape because um, other just regular Christians have traveled there or moved there um, and shared Jesus with the people around them. And a church has been established and begun to grow. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome. He's got a couple reasons, I think, for writing the letter. One reason is because he's hoping to continue traveling west. And, and as a missionary, he wants to keep going further and further west. He eventually like, wants to go to Spain. And, and uh, I think in his mind, probably, if he can build a relationship with the church in Rome, he can go there and then use that as a kind of a, a base to, to kind of head out further. Um, so it's a good opportunity to build relationships with them. But, the, but really, as you read the book of Romans, what you really realize is that he wants to just help them understand the gospel better. The book of Romans, more than any other book in the Bible, is a, is a real meditation and explanation of what we call the gospel, which is the message of God that tells us how we are able to know him. And it's a message about Jesus and what he has done. And so um, he, he writes to them to encourage them, with, uh, help them understand the gospel better and help them understand how the gospel impacts their daily lives and, and everything. And so if you understand the gospel better, then the book of Romans is a good book to read and to reread and to study and to think about. So we're going to look at that for the next year. Um, and we're going to start with Romans 1, verses 1 to 7. Listen to God's word as I read. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom... We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we, as we look at this passage, as we look at these seven verses, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes and that we would see, we would see you clearly, we would see what you want us to understand, that you would prepare our hearts even to, to listen to what you have to say. Father, we, we acknowledge that you are here, that your spirit is here, and you are a God who loves to speak. So Father, we pray that you would speak to us now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, there are some songs that if I hear them one more time, 
I'm going to lose my mind. There's some songs that I just like absolutely hate. Like listen, listening to it once was enough for me. Um, whenever Kim and I get into our car and we plug in our phone, the, the, radio will, or the, it's, the, the radio will automatically play the first song alphabetically in our Apple Music library. I don't know if that happens to you as well. But, um, and so for me, you know, it's, it's some worship song. I think it's uh, Abide, something like that, you know. And, and I, you know, I don't love the song, but I, you know, it's, it doesn't bother me too much when I hear it every time I get in the car. And it's a good reminder, you know, to abide in Jesus. How can I argue with that? But, uh, but Kim, on the other hand, um, she does children's programming at the library in town. And, um, and so she has a lot of kids' songs on her, in her Apple library. And, um, and there's this one, you know, of course, the one that always comes on in the alphabetical list is one of the ABC songs. And it's just this song, it just goes, A comes before B, comes before C, comes before D, comes before E, comes before F, comes before G, comes before H, comes before I love you. It's been, it's been emblazoned into my mind because it comes on every time. She's like, can I plug my phone in to charge it? And then the, like, we're listening to something else and then it's like blaring and I'm like, no. It's like, I can't, I can't take it. It's the worst. It is the worst. I mean, I know my ABCs. I don't need to listen to another song helping me to know my ABCs better, right? Um, but it's just, I've, I heard that song once and it was enough. I heard it once and it was enough. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. They have heard what he refers to as the gospel here. He refers to the gospel in the verse one, right? They've heard that message of the gospel because that's why there is a church there. They've responded to the message. They've believed in Jesus, and now there's a church. So they've heard the gospel. And, um, and so what does Paul want to do as he writes this letter, knowing that they've already heard the gospel? Well, what he proceeds to do and, and is he basically starts singing the gospel song over and over and over again. That's exactly what he does with the book of Romans. The entire book of Romans is all about the gospel. It even saturates these, this opening. This, you realize this, this is just the opening address where he says, Dear Church in Rome. That's all he's saying here. You know? And if you look at most of his other letters in the New Testament, the greeting follows a, a basic pattern, and it's a similar pattern. They're all the same. They're all very similar, where it just says, Paul, it usually starts off just Paul, a servant of Christ, or something like that, and then it says, To the saints in whatever church, grace and peace to you. And it's usually just that long. It's not much longer than that. But here, Paul like, starts saying, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, and then it just kind of like flows out of him, and, and, he, and, and he just immediately starts talking about the gospel here. He can't help himself. He's like, I don't care if these people have heard the gospel song already. They need to hear it again. And that's, I think, what all of us need to realize, that if you are a Christian, no matter how long you've been a Christian, Hearing the gospel once isn't enough. The gospel, the message that God gives to tell us how to know him and how to live as a Christian, it's, it's not something that you just hear once and then you kind of move on with the rest of your life and just try to live your life the way a Christian should. The gospel is something that you need to hear and hear again and hear again and hear again and hear again over and over and over and over again. There's so many facets to it that we need to keep listening and listening and listening some more. So what, what does Paul show us about the gospel in just these first seven verses as he greets the church in Rome? 
What are, there's three things, I think, that we see about the gospel. Um, and I don't think it's printed in your, it's not printed in your order of worship because I didn't get it to Tyler on time this week. But it's basically, um, it's three C's. Uh, the, there's a gospel calibration that needs to go on. There's gospel content that he talks about. And then there's a gospel call. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at. Gospel calibration, gospel content, and gospel call. So first of all, I think he shows us that, that there's a necessity for us to calibrate our lives to the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, our kids received these inexpensive drones um, in the last year for some gift for, at some point. Um, and, uh, and basically, they're, they're pretty cool, you know? Um, but it's like... You know, any other drone has a remote control, and it'll fly around as you direct it to, um, as long as the batteries are charged and everything. But the thing is, the way that you have to use it is you get it out, you turn on the remote control, you turn on the drone, you set it on the ground, and then before you take off, you have to move the joysticks in a certain way that calibrates the drone. So it knows what is front and back and right and left. If you do not calibrate the drone before you take off, which the kids never did, for the first three, four, five months of using these things, the drone would take off and immediately go that way. So it would either hit the house, or it would go out in the street, or it would, even worse, like fly directly into a crowd of children who would all be like running, screaming for their lives, you know, like trying not to get hit in the side of the head. And so that there, there's a necessity to calibrate it, to make sure that it's balanced and it knows which direction to go in order for it to fly straight. And I think the gospel is something that it is, it, Paul reminds us, it's the gospel of God here in verse 1, right? God is the one who has created all, three, all things. He's the one who knows exactly how our lives are supposed to work and how they tick. And so we need to learn how to, uh, how to calibrate every aspect of our lives according to the gospel. We need to think about how the gospel impacts every aspect of our lives. For Paul... In verse 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul understood his life. He didn't understand his life in any measure apart from its relationship to the gospel. He saw himself as a complete servant to the gospel. It dictated everything about who he was, how he saw himself, and what he wanted to do, what he thought he should do. And so that's one of the things we need to see for ourselves. I mean, we're not all called to be what Paul was called to be in, in the sense that he was a missionary that traveled all over the world. That's what the gospel forced him to do. But I think we also, just like Paul, need to consider what does the gospel have to do with every part of my life? What does the gospel have to do with my job? What does the gospel have to do with my marriage, my family, my friendships? What does the gospel have to do with what I want, what I'm pursuing in my life, the goals that I'm pursuing? What does the gospel have to do with the things that I do for fun? What does the gospel have to do with everything? We need to calibrate our lives according to the gospel. If we don't, then your life will not fly straight. No matter how much your batteries are charged, no matter how you know, expensive of a drone you have, it's not going to fly straight unless it is calibrated, and that's the same with our lives. No matter how good your life looks, no matter how beautiful your house is, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter how much your family resembles the picture-perfect family, or your friendship group is, is the perfect friendship group, no matter all of that stuff, it's, your life is not going to fly straight 
as it should unless you understand the gospel and how it impacts everything. Unless you're thinking about how the gospel impacts everything. It's not going to fly straight. And that's especially true when we encounter things that, that really um, push us and can derail us. You know, when we encounter things like crises that happen in our lives, painful things that we face, and also success. When we have major success in life, your life will not fly straight if you're not thinking about how the gospel relates to it, impacts it. And so, understanding the gospel is something that we need to make a priority. Not just one time and then move on, but every single day. We need to be thinking about understanding the gospel. What does it mean? What is God saying to me through the gospel? What has he said to me through the gospel? It needs to become more important than you know, running my three miles a day or checking my stocks, or checking my social media feed, or whatever notifications are telling me to look at on my phone. It needs to be more important than all of those things. We need to see the necessity of gospel calibration. Secondly, if, if it's vital to calibrate my life according to the gospel, what exactly is the gospel? I've been saying gospel a lot here, right? So what exactly is the content of the gospel? And I think Paul does share this here, right, in verses 2 to 5. He starts off, he says, this is the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. This isn't something new that Paul just thought up. This is something that God, this is God's message, God's plan from, from long, long ago that he's been talking about through his prophets for a really long time. And verse three is the key, key one. It says, it's concerning his son who is descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the gospel. This is what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about Jesus, the person of Jesus. The fact that he was a real flesh and blood man that was born, that was a descendant of King David, that lived and walked shed tears, sweated, you know. He was a real flesh and blood man, but not only was he a man, but he was the son of God and is the son of God. He is alive. He is risen from the dead by the power of the spirit. He rules over all things. and has everything in his hands. He is the sovereign king above everything. The gospel is about Jesus. And I think this is crucial for us to understand. That the message of the gospel, it's, it's not a what, it is a who. That's what the message of the gospel is. It's not a list of rules that we need to figure out how to like, follow and live my life according. It's not a, a, a bunch of wisdom or principles that I need to figure out how to live my life you know, most effectively by. The gospel is a person. The gospel is a person, Jesus Christ, the one who has come, who has walked this earth, who died on the cross to pay for your sin, and who rose from the dead. And is alive right now, and working, and present now by his spirit. That is the gospel. 
And so calibrating my life according to the gospel is not about trying to figure out what, it's not trying to figure out how to live the Christian way. It's not trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, what to do in any specific situation. It's not about trying harder every day to be the best person that I can be. All of those things are good things. But it's not about doing as many religious things as possible. It's not about making, my, my, make, making sure my life is balanced between, you know, my, my church stuff and my hobbies and my work and my family. Calibrating my life according to the gospel is about knowing the person of Jesus. That's what it is. It's about knowing the person of Jesus in all of his humility, that he is real flesh and blood, that he walked this earth and he suffered and he was tempted and he, he can relate to you. He knows all that you deal with, all of the pain and the hurt and the struggle that you go through. He knows it and he is the perfect friend. It's about knowing Jesus and his humanity. It's about, it's about knowing Jesus as the son of God, the one who has risen in power. It's about knowing Jesus as the one who rules over all things, who, who is more powerful than anything that we can imagine, who knows all things, who's beyond, honestly, who's beyond our ability to even understand, who's mysterious, who has an agenda for our lives. It's about knowing Jesus. That's what the gospel content is. It's, it's not, it's not a, a body of stuff that we need to like get into our heads primarily. It's about a person that we need to get to know better and better and better in all that he has done. And what is it that he's done? Verse five, through whom we have received grace. Through whom we've received grace. What is grace? It's getting what we do not deserve. It's getting the opposite of what we do not deserve. It's getting God's love and favor and kindness when we actually deserve his judgment. That's what we receive through Jesus. Because every single one of us have turned our backs on God and we've, tried, we've, we've been living our lives according to our own rules. We've been living our lives with ourselves at the center. And yet God has sent his son to live and to die for us, to pay for our sins so that we could receive grace, so that we could receive his kindness and compassion and presence. And Paul says he also has received apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, that, that through Jesus we also receive a, a responsibility to recognize that my life isn't mine, it belongs to him. It's not my own. It's his to do with what he wants. For Paul, it was that he would be an apostle. And it has relevance throughout the entire earth for every single person, right? Among all the nations. This is the gospel. And this brings me, lastly, to the gospel call. The word called pops up three times in these seven verses. The very first verse, Paul says he's a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle. And then in verse 6, it says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And verse 7, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. This word called seems to be kind of important, kind of key here in this passage. What does it mean to be called? And the word called, in one sense, it means to be invited, invited to something. But it's more than that. It's not just to be invited. Um, 
It's not just to kind of like, you know, it's, it's not like our, some, of our, some of us who have kids, they get, a, they get an invitation from another kid, you know, a colorful invitation for their, your kid to, to go to Chuck E. Cheese or Sky Zone for the kid's birthday. You know, that's an invitation where you can be, look at your schedule, you can be like, do I really want to go? And, and you can go, you know, or not go, whatever. But when God calls us, it's not just an invitation, it's a summons. He demands that we respond. It's more kind of the call that maybe a middle school kid might get from their parent. You know, their parent gives them a cell phone and, uh, so that their parent knows where their kids are, so their parents know if their kids are in trouble or, you know, whatever. And so their kid takes the cell phone to their friend's house, and they're having a great time. And then the, the phone's just sitting, you know, on the couch there, and all of a sudden it starts vibrating, and the picture of their mom and their dad comes up on the phone and says, Mom, Dad. It's that kind of call where the kid is not really at liberty to say, I'm going to ignore that. I don't really want to, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to mom right now. No, that child's mom expects that child to pick up the phone when they call, right? That's the kind of call that we see here. God is calling with authority. It's the kind of call that, that like a, a sovereign king would, would send to his subject. You know, you're not at liberty to say, nah, not right now. It demands a response. It demands a response. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it demands that we respond and we surrender to him. It, it, it demands that we obey him as Paul has in that first, you know, that first verse. He says he's called to be an apostle. Paul didn't really have, you know, when Jesus appeared to Paul and knocked him off his horse and he said, I'm going to send you to tell others about me. Paul wasn't really at liberty to be like, eh, I've got other things to do. You know, it was a, it was a call to Paul to, to fall on his face and say, yeah, Jesus, okay, whatever you say. But there's you know, more than that. It's not just a call to, to surrender and obey him. Um, don't miss what else the gospel demands that we respond to. Verse 7 says that we are called to be saints, okay? Now, if you have a Catholic background, I know we have some people in our church who have Catholic backgrounds. When you hear the word saint, what you probably immediately, your, your mind probably immediately runs to is, is those those people, those famous people who have lived throughout, those, those famous Christians who have lived throughout church history, who are like, they're, they're really holy and they're perfect and they've done miracles, right? Those are the saints. That's not at all how Paul uses the word in the New Testament. He's writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to all of these, you know, runny-nosed, you know, people that are a mess. They've got issues, all these people in Rome. They're not perfect, and yet he says, you guys are called to be saints. If you have believed in Jesus, then what, you, what he demands that you recognize and receive is the fact that when God looks at you, he sees you as holy. He sees you as set apart. He sees you as perfect. That's how God looks at you, no matter how much of a mess you are. That's what Jesus does for us. When we receive the work of Jesus... No matter how broken we are, no matter how sinful we are, God looks at us and he looks at us through the lens of Jesus and he sees us as a saint. And that's how he treats us. He delights in us. He says, I couldn't be more pleased with you. I couldn't be more pleased with you. You're perfect. That's how God sees you. 
as a saint. You are called to be a saint. And just right before that, he says, those in Rome who are loved by God, I think we're also called to recognize how much he loves us. I mean, one of the greatest challenges, maybe the greatest challenge every single one of us has as we live our lives, is to really truly believe that we are loved. You know, that's, that's uh, doubting that we are loved or feeling like we are unworthy to be loved. Feeling like, you know, if, somebody, if everybody else really knew me, if they really knew me, I mean, that, that's, that's probably at the bottom of a lot of our dysfunction in life. The fact that we don't really believe that we're loved. And Paul says to the church in Rome, you guys, you got to get this through your thick skulls. God loves you. God loves you. There is no one more significant in the world than him. And he couldn't be more pleased with you. I'm like, I mean, God loves me. I, I'm, I'm not sure if he, he, if he would even like me if he really knew me that well. God loves you. God loves you. We need to believe that. No matter how much we might feel like we're unworthy, no matter how much we feel like other people have let us down, how could anybody really love me? I've been let down. I've been hurt by so many others. No matter how much I feel like I, you know, I don't deserve people to even notice me, God notices you and he loves you. He demands that you believe it. He calls you to believe that. And then in verse 6, don't miss the fact that we're called to belong to Jesus Christ. You're called to belong to Jesus. There is no more safe place to be than to be in Jesus' hands. You belong to him. If you trust Jesus, if you've received what Jesus has done for you, then he's holding you. You belong to him. You are his prized possession. And he's not letting go. He will never let go. No matter how painful of a situation you might be dealing with right now, he is not going to let you go. You belong to him. No matter what you are facing, no matter what you've been hurt by, no matter what you might lose or gain in your life, you belong to him. You are called to believe, to know that you are his. And he's not going to let go. Paul is just getting started here. He's just greeting the people, right? And he's already, he can't, he can't help himself but start to, to sing the song of the gospel. Just even as he says, dear church in Rome, he starts singing the song of the gospel. And he's going to keep singing it over and over and over and over again. And we're going to keep listening to it over and over and over again this year, okay? Because this is the thing. You might, you might be like, oh, that sounds like it might get kind of old. If you're really willing to listen to the gospel, to listen to the, the fact that God says, I love you, I really love you, if you're willing to really listen to what he has to say to you through the gospel, you're not going to be able to get enough. It's going to be like one of those songs that you hear and you're like, ah, it's, 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 it's on again, or you put it on repeat. Do, you, do any of you guys have those songs? that you like listen to and you can't get enough of, you just you know, listen to it over and over and over again. Um, just uh, 
uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, um, we were at uh, Frog Falls. Our, our family goes to the pool up at, at Picatinny, and they, they play a lot of 80s music, a lot of older songs and stuff like that. And uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run came on. And I was like, I was listening to that. I was like, Dude, I never get tired of this song. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bruce, Bruce, Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, but it's a fantastic song. I would argue it's one of the greatest songs ever. I never get tired of listening to it. Every single time. It's so good. And young people, if you haven't listened to it, you should, okay? But it's so good. You're probably going to be like, what's the deal with this song? But I love it, you know? Even every time I listen to it, there's, you know, that, especially like, like there's, there's just different moments in the song, and then that one part that's like, da 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 na 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 and then he just pauses there, and then there's this building, and then he's like, one, two, three, four. You know, I, I get go- I've got goosebumps right now just thinking about it. It's so good. It is so good. Do you have songs like that? Do you have songs like that? I mean, I have, I have multiple songs like that, you know? Like, there's, there's like, uh, I made myself a list here. There's More Than a Feeling by Boston. That's a good song. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, lately, I, you know the song Don't Stop Me Now by Queen? I think that's a great song. I enjoy listening to that all the time, every time it comes on. Um, I mean, there's, there's a hip-hop song called I Got the Juice. I'm sure none of you have ever heard of that song. By uh, it's a group called Dream Junkies. It's a really good song. Um, there's a worship song called Canvas and Clay by Pat Barrett. Every time I hear that, I'm like, ah, oh, so good. We're about to sing one of those songs at the end of the service. He will hold me fast. Every time I hear that song, every time I sing that song, I'm like, I want to sing it again. If I could, I'd make us sing it every single week, maybe twice or three times. And one of the things that makes that song so great is that it reminds me of the song of the gospel, that my relationship with God isn't dependent on me. It's not dependent on how good I am. It's not even dependent on how strong my faith is. It's dependent on Jesus. And the fact that he is holding me. He's holding me fast. If we will listen to the gospel, the song of the gospel, you won't be able to get enough of it. It may even give you goosebumps every time you think about it. It should give you goosebumps if you're really listening. Let's listen to it. Let's continue listening to it as we, as we approach the Lord's table. It's a great reminder of the song of the gospel. And let's rest and rejoice in who he is and what he's done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel, the good news, the good news that says it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on how good I am, how hard I try. It's not dependent on whether I succeed or I fail, but it's dependent on what Jesus has done for me. It's dependent on him, on how faithful he is, on how good he is, on how compassionate he is, how perfect he is, how loving he is. Father, we pray that uh, you would help us tune in that we would hear the song of the gospel anew this morning, the rest of this day, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity to listen to the song of the gospel as we
meet Jesus at the Lord's table. And uh, as we get ready to do that, we're gonna confess our sin. We're gonna confess our need for Jesus, for his grace, for his forgiveness. And uh, we're gonna pray the prayer that's printed in your order of worship. There's a confession of sin that's printed in there. And we're gonna pray that out loud together and then we'll have a silent time of confession. So please pray with me. Oh Lord, we want to enter your presence, worshiping you face to face, awed by your majesty, greatness, and glory, but encouraged and ravished by your love. Yet there is a coldness in our hearts, a hardness toward you, an unwillingness to admit our sin and need for you. But now forgive us for Jesus' sake. Come near and strengthen us until Christ shall reign supreme within us. In every thought, word, and deed, in a faith that purifies the heart, overcomes the world, works by love, fastens us to you, and always clings to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we now take a moment in the silence to privately confess our individual.